So, so glad that you're here today and uh, to be here with us in worship. And I've looked forward to this day uh, for several weeks now, just what God has laid upon my heart. When you've got a lot of time on your hands, you'll either get closer to God or you'll get farther away. When you've got a lot of time on your hands, I encourage you to pray, encourage you to read the Word of God. And what I'm about to give you today is a lot of Scripture, but I'm going to paraphrase a lot of it as we go through the message, um, just for the sake of time. What I'm telling you today is, is nothing heroic. I believe it's just going to, you're, you're going to see some obedience that was taken and a miracle by God. I'm not taking lightly what God has done for Brother Harold. God performed a miracle. Amen. Not taking away from nothing from Brother Mike. God performed a miracle. You guys were at death's door. And uh, I was about to be. But God seemed fit to do otherwise for all three of us. Amen. Just call us Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Amen. <laughs> There was one in there with us. That was the Lord Jesus. Listen, God never did say that we would be uh, not be in the fire. So what does God do to take care of us? He put Jesus in there with us. So um, before God gives me more scripture to give you tonight or today, let's look at Mark chapter 1. I'm going to read verse 32, 33, and 34. Let's stand together for the reverence of the reading of God's Word and pray for the message. And this may be a little bit unusual for you, but um, it's a lot of truth. Let's just read the Scripture and get with it. Amen. The Bible says in verse number 32, And at even when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased, and them that were possessed with devils. And all the city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many that were sick of divers diseases. And cast out many devils. And suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. I want you to keep this one thought in mind tonight or today. No assistance needed. No assistance needed. Let's pray. Father God, we do love you, Lord. We thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for these that are gathered here in the house of God this morning. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would move about in a special way. Help us to relate the message that you've applied to my heart today. For God, I know that when you do something in the heart and life of people, dear God, you don't have to go back and do it again. And Lord, I pray that you would just bless this service. If they be one here lost and undone, God, we pray that you'd save them. Lord, if they're one that has grown cold on you, God, not where they need to be with you. Lord, may 1 John 1, 9 be real to their life, knowing that they can come back into the fold today with a simple prayer. And God, we just thank you and praise you for what you're going to do ahead of time. In Jesus' name, we do humbly ask and pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated today. Uh, here, there, there's probably more content, to be honest with you, in this first chapter of Mark than any other chapter in the Word of God, except for maybe Genesis 1. 
a whole lot of information right here in the book of Mark. It covers uh, from when uh, uh, John the Baptist began his ministry, uh, back covering the prophecies of Isaiah and uh, Malachi. And it takes the first year's ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ and follows him uh, uh, through a busy Sabbath day. If we can look at the book of Mark today, I believe we can say that this is a book that shows many miracles that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, has performed. Now, just by the way of introduction this morning, I just want to uh, expound a little bit on Mark chapter 1 and what is happening here and how uh, our vision or our hearing shifts from time to time. In the very first part of Mark, you have the story of John the Baptist and his message of repentance. As John the Baptist comes out, he is preaching the Word of God. He's saying, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. He is telling others that they need to be right with him. And there's one following me who I am so unworthy to bow before that I cannot even latch his shoes. That's John the Baptist. That is what is happening here. But then Jesus appeared. uh, And as John the Baptist is preaching, uh, uh, John goes ahead and baptizes the Christ. uh, And then a spirit like a dove ascended upon the face of our Lord Jesus with a voice from heaven, assuming to be God the Father, that said, This is uh, my Son in whom I am very uh, well pleased. John the Baptist said, I can baptize you with water, but this one can baptize you with fire and of the Holy Ghost. And John had it all right. So Jesus is bursting onto the scene around verse 9. And then what happened here was that the Bible says in verse 12, immediately the Spirit, that's with a capital S, that's God the Father speaking through God the Holy Ghost that sent God the Son into the wilderness for 40 days. He's tempted by Satan there and was with the wild beast. And the Bible says that the angels, ministered unto him. So he's in the wilderness. And can you imagine the man Jesus being tempted as he is 100% God and 100% man. He is being tempted by the devil to give him the kingdom. He is tempted by the devil in many areas. And that's not the message for today. But God refused to, to fall to the enemy. Jesus refused to fall unto the hands unto the hands of of the enemy. And then as Jesus come out of the wilderness along about verse number 14, uh, Peter, Andrew, James, and John uh, were called uh, to follow the Christ. Uh, they were called because the kingdom of God uh, is at hand. And Jesus is preaching uh, the time now has been fulfilled. Uh, the time now is here. Uh, you need to repent uh, and believe uh, in the gospel of Jesus. Jesus Christ. And if there's ever a day uh, that you need to repent uh, and believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, it is the day it 
which we live today. He says, come ye after me and I'll make you fishers of men. And then as Jesus begins his ministry and as he continues here through the book of Mark along about verse number 21, he, he, he done an exorcism, if you will, the unclean spirit there. The man was rebuked and the Bible says immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region around about Galilee. In other words, what happened here was this. Jesus had cast the devil out of this man and this man went and told everybody what this man named Jesus did for him. And he was diseased or he was possessed, if you will, with that devil. And this man went out, got up, walked off with no assistance needed. God touched him in he began to think clearly he began to do things correctly I'm glad when Jesus changes you he changes you from the inside out you begin to act different you talk different you begin to do things differently in your life because when you're saved you become a child of God all things are passed away all things have become new I'm glad that he can go in and rearrange our life and rearrange our hearts uh, and put us uh, where we need to be. And then here uh, in verse number 32, uh, the Bible says, let me read it to you again. And that even when the sun did set, they brought unto him that were diseased and them that, that were possessed with devils. Uh, and all the city was gathered together at the door. I'm going to come back to that verse a little later. And he healed many that were sick of diseases divers diseases and cast out many devils and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. The very first point I want to point out to you today is the healing of Peter's mother-in-law. It's here in the scripture. Right above the scriptures that we had as our key verses today. The Bible said, but Simon's wife, that's Peter's, Simon Peter, Simon, Simon's wife, mother, lay sick of a fever. And Annan, that word Annan there, A-N-O-N, means immediately they tell him of her. And he came to took her up by by the hand and lifted her up and immediately the fever left her her and she ministered with them so Peter and mother-in-law is healed right here what happened is this she is sick she is in the bed she has got a high fever they go tell that Jesus immediately that the lady's sick he goes in he reaches down and touches her she becomes healed and she's whole the fever leaves immediately and the Bible says uh, she got up and ministered to them uh, right then. No assistance needed. I bet there wasn't anybody going around Peter's mother-in-law saying, well, let's help you out of the bed just a little bit. Uh, let's help you. Let's, let, let's help walk you into the kitchen where you can cook up some groceries for Jesus uh, and his followers. No, I believe she didn't have any assistance. She didn't need any assistance because God done the healing. When God does the healing, my friend, there is no assistance needed. But number two, we see the healing of the leper. In verse number 40 down through verse 45. 
The leper came. Jesus, the Bible says, moved with compassion and touched him and said, I will be thou clean. And straightly charged him and forthwith sent him away. And see that thou say nothing to any man. He sent him up. This leper. All he had to do was tell him that he was whole. He became whole. He got up and he began to walk away. This leper had no assistance needed. This leper was one that no one would be around. This leper is one that no one would touch. Because of his disease. No one would come over to him Tony. And just touch him or be around around him because he was diseased. As a matter of fact, he's going around the city saying unclean, unclean, unclean. But it only took one touch from the master's hand for him to become clean. And when he became clean, everything just dropped off of him, my friend. And he was clean. I don't think he needed assistance when he got up from his bad situation to walk into town. I don't believe he needed any assistance. Uh, to have clothes put on his body uh, to where those sores and bowls were from the leprosy. I don't believe any assistance was needed when he left that place where he was because if you'll notice in the Bible, when Jesus touched somebody, they never got sick again. They never got sick again. The healing of the leper. But also, number three, we see the healing of the man of the palsy. There in chapter number, actually that's supposed to be chapter number 2, so that's wrong on your screen, but it's chapter 2, 1 through 5, 11 and 12, but that's the, it, it was just typed in wrong, that's okay. It's chapter 2, the man with the palsy, it's the man that was born of four. He was a paralytic, if you will. He could not move. It, the Bible says it was noise that Jesus was in the house. In other words, Jesus was in the house. He was preaching. He was ministering. He was doing what he, he, he does. And people were in the windows. They were standing in the doorways. People wanted to see this man called the Christ. And their friend was sick and paralyzed. He was paralyzed. He couldn't move anything. So they put him in a bed Everybody grabbed a corner and they went to see where Jesus was, what Jesus was doing. And if Jesus could help, they could not get into the house to where Jesus was. So what did they do? Somehow or another, they took that bed, got on top of the roof, moved black back the tiles, and dropped this man right down into the center of everybody where Jesus was speaking. And all of a sudden, Jesus... Jesus began ministering unto him. If you'll notice, first, he forgave the man of his sins. Second, he healed him. Listen, we sometimes, and I'm going to get to this in a little bit, sometimes we need two touches. We need a touch to be saved. Listen, it's all right to pray for healing, but we need to pray for spiritual healing in their soul first and foremost. So he was saved and Jesus told unto him uh, after he had done healed him, uh, this paralytic, uh, he said, take up thy bed and walk. (laughs) 
He took up that bed. He didn't say, the Bible didn't say nothing about them other four having to help him carry that bed. They didn't say that he needed a, a, a cane or any assistance walking out. Jesus said, take up your bed and walk. And this man that had not been able to move for some time couldn't move his legs or couldn't move his arms. I believe myself for him to be a quadriplegic of some sort. But Jesus touched him and said, get up from there and walk. And that's what the man did. No assistance needed. And then as we continue to look through the scripture, we see nextly the maniac of Gadara in chapter number 5. This was another man with an unclean spirit that goes into more detail, if you will. The Bible says that he was dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. So here comes Jesus. Here comes the maniac of Gadara. He's living in the cemetery amongst the tombs. He is in there cutting himself he is in bad shape. And he goes up to the Lord Jesus Christ and recognized him immediately as being the Christ. Christ said, who, he's, he's talking to these, he's wanting to see if they'll identify themselves. He said, my name's Legion. Which the Bible says, that means many devils. Many devils were in this man. And Jesus healed that man right then and there. The Bible says that he cast those demons out of this man and placed them into the pigs. And the pigs ran off the cliff and committed suicide. Suicide, right? And they were dead. And the next thing that you read in the Bible is this man is seated and clothed in his right mind. But not only that, let me read this last little part right here. Verse number 45, and then I, verse number 15, and then I'll read verse number 19. We're in chapter 5 now. It says, And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had legions sitting and clothed, and in his right mind they were afraid. They was like, Who is this man now? But look at verse number 19. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but said unto him, Go home to thy friends, tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath compassion on thee. In other words, uh, this man that could not do anything, that was chained only by chains and fetters and ropes, and, and he couldn't do anything but try to kill himself amongst the tombs. He was naked and not in his right mind. But then here comes Jesus along and touched him. And now he's clothed and in his right mind. Now Jesus tells him to go out and tell the world, tell your friends what I've done for you. And you know what? I don't see anybody going with him. I don't see anybody grabbing him by the arm helping him get through I don't see anybody doing that there was no assistance needed after God gave him the touch no assistance needed I'm talking about Bible things right here amen the maniac of Gadara but then we go over and we see where Jairus', Jairus daughter was healed Oh, the Bible tells us that there was a, the man came. He was of a, a, 
Uh, he, was, he was of the synagogue. He was a ruler of the synagogue and besought him, saying, Hey, my, my daughter laughed to the point of death. I pray thee come lay hands on her. Listen, Jesus didn't have to go lay hands on her. Amen. He could have just said it. But then uh, we have nestled here in the scripture another story we'll come back to in a minute. But down in verse number 39, let me read it to you real quickly. The scripture here, and when he was come, he said unto them, Why make this ado and weep? The damsel's not dead, but asleep. And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entered in where the damsel was lying. You know what the first thing he done? The scorners and the scoffers that didn't believe him and laughed at him, he showed them to the door. Amen. Amen. Listen, and they laughed at him. But look, and he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha kumai, which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked. Amen. She was of twelve years of age. She walked. So when Jesus reached down her, down to her and said, Be thy made whole, she was made whole. It didn't say that mom and daddy grabbed her by the hand and walked her through the house. You know what she done? She got up and began to minister herself. She got up and there was no assistance needed. And nestled in between that story, you'll see the very next point. The woman that was healed with the issue of blood. We know the story. She had been sick for 12 years. She had done spent everything she had on every earthly doctor and every piece of medicine that she could try. But she heard about a man by the name of Jesus. If she could just touch the hem of his garment, she'd be made whole. So what's happening here? She finds out that there is that man. He's walking. He is, people are enthroning him. In other words, they're all around him as he's walking from one place place uh, uh, to the next could have been hundreds could have been thousands but she knowed if I could just touch the hem I'd be made whole so she got down on her hands and knees and she began to go into the crowd and she touched the hem just the hem of his garment Jesus knew something had happened because everything stopped <laughs> he said who touched me his inner circle, then disciples saying, Lord, you're being enthroned. What do you mean? Who touched you? In other words, everybody. He said, no, uh -uh. virtue has left me. In other words, power, healing had left him. And it had come uh, to this woman with the issue of blood of 12 years. Uh, and one of the scriptures says that the blood immediately stanched or it stopped, if you will. And Jesus said, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. In other words, she got up. She walked away. She's telling others about what God done for her. No assistance needed. He didn't send nobody with her to help her. No assistance was needed. And then if we flip on over to Mark chapter number 8. We see the blind man at Bethsaida. The blind man at Bethsaida. What Jesus done here is he took the blind man by the hand. That's in verse 23. 
he led him out of town. And when he had spit on his eyes, he had put the spit in his hand, put the spit on his eyes, and put his hands upon him and asked him if he saw aught. He looked up and said, I see man as trees walking. That right there confused me a lot of times. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up. And he restored and saw every man clearly. And he sent him away to his house. It's a blind man. Jesus spits in his hands, rubs it on his eyes. He said, you see, I see men walking as trees. Well, you're thinking, well, Jesus must didn't do the job the first time. So he spit again. Now, can you see? Yeah, I can see men clearly. You ever wondered why he touched him twice? Aren't we all spiritually blind? We're spiritually blind, and people can be physically blind. The first touch gave him his spiritual sight. The second touch gave him his physical sight. And he walked away with no assistance needed. He didn't need a cane. He didn't need anybody to lead him by the arm. He could see clearly. Wow. So see, some of y'all thought he had to touch him twice just to heal him. He didn't have to do that. There's a point in that. Maybe one day we'll break that scripture down and study it even more. Look at the next one, verse number 8. Jesus, or number 8. Jesus in verse number, chapter number 10. Jesus healed blind Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus, of course, was the beggar. He's crying out, the son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called because everybody else was trying to tell him to hush. Jesus is walking by. Jesus said, bring him here. <laughs> Jesus answered and said unto him, What will thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way. Thy faith hath made them whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Another one. Jesus touched. Jesus healed. And all eight of these in the book of Mark. And you'll never see it in any scripture, I do believe, that you'll find where Jesus touched anyone and had to heal them a second time. Nowhere will you see where they got sick of blindness again. Or leprosy again. When Jesus does it, he does it right. That's how you know the difference today. Back in late March, I began to run a fever. All of this stuff, they had just started shutting everything down. I ran a fever. It was just a low-grade fever at first, but all of a sudden it reached 104. For eight days... I had a fever. And a lot of that was 104. And March 27th, we went to the ER. We couldn't get the fever down. They come in, they do an x-ray, they, they check me over, and of course they're checking you in outside. Everybody's masked up, clothed up. You can't even understand what they're saying. They got so much stuff on them. Goggles, covers, mask upon mask, 
headgears. They got everything. They come in there. They give me some more Tylenol. My wife just gave me some before we went. They gave me some more when I got there. And then they looked me over and they said, Sir, you probably have COVID-19. I said, well, aren't you going to test me? And they said, no. I said, why not? He said, well, when we right now the tests are so limited. When you're perceived to have it, we just send you home and quarantine you for 14 days. I said, okay. I said, what about this high fever? He said, take Tylenol, and if you have to, alternate Tylenol and ibuprofen back and forth. And I just heard on the news... <laughs> Don't take ibuprofen if you got this stuff. And now that is to be a fact. But they told me to take ibuprofen and Tylenol. We went home. I don't think my wife ever gave me ibuprofen. We just kept Tylenol. And that was on the 28th of March. Went to the ER. I was sent home, assumed with the, with, with the virus. Wednesday, April the 1st, my fever was so high, I began passing out on the floor. One time, I just busted it hard. I mean, boom, straight down, nothing to break my fall. Right beside the couch. I was trying to go from the bed to the couch. Another time, I went and I tried to get out of the bed and I, I passed out again, but the wall caught me. And I was able to get to where I needed to be. I began to, <clears throat> I thought if I, if, I, if I just, maybe I just need to go get in the shower. My wife don't know this part, but I fell again inside the shower. And every time I moved, it was like that I could not breathe. It was like someone had me wrapped around, squeezing so hard that, you could not breathe. The temperature spiked up to 104, and, it, and, and, and she's like, well, call that number and, and get them on your phone and see what we need to do. Maybe they'll send you somewhere to get tested. I'm sitting here going, I don't know what good a test's going to do. They don't even know what to do for this stuff. They say they don't know what to do for this stuff. So I, I went... And I got the lady on the phone. It was about a 20, 30-minute wait. I said, ma'am, I just need to know what to do. I've got this fever. I'm short of breath. I, I've done passed out a couple times, and I'm, I'm really in a bad shape. Immediately, she said, go back to the ER. So this was on the April 1st. And I went to the ER, and same ordeal. They masked you up, went to the same room. What it was, that's putting all them patients in particular rooms. They wasn't putting them in other ones. Went to that room, and as I got into that room, um, they checked my fever, and they checked my oxygen level. And they said, sir, your oxygen level is too low to leave here. We're going to have to admit you. And at the time, I think it was the high 80s or something like that. We're going to have to admit you and see if we can get that corrected. Okay. 
The first set of x-rays they'd done, my lungs were clear. This time they do x-rays. They still can't find anything in my lungs. But everything is just going downhill. My fever stayed high. They're giving me every kind of test in the hospital that's imaginable. You ought to see the list. It's like two pages long. I had those things stuck up my nose so many times I didn't think I was going to have a brain left. They kept swabbing and kept checking. and They're never doing the COVID test. They're doing flu, A and B, legionnaires. They're doing everything they can do to try to find out what's wrong with me. Except for the COVID test. Imagine that. They're doing all these tests. They've done all kind of blood work. And, and I am starting to feel really bad. Terribly bad, even worse. I'm watching Fox News. And then they're saying, well, there's a 45-year-old man that just passed away. I'm like, I'm 48. I said, I'm turning the TV off. And I, I, I laid there, Brother Joe Floyd, and I, the nurse came in there to me. And she said, do you have all your directives in order? I said, you mean like a living will and all that stuff? She said, yeah. I said, uh, yeah, I got that stuff together. She said, is it on file? I said, no, I wasn't planning on using it today. She said, you need to get it on file. I said, what do you mean? She said, sir, I'm just going to be honest with you. If you do have COVID-19, it's killing a lot of people, and we don't know what the outcome may be. I said, are you telling me that I could die? And she said, yes, you could die. She says, as a matter of fact, your oxygen level has dropped even further. Your temperature is staying where it's at at 104. And if we don't get those two things under control fairly quickly, you're going to be intubated. You're going to be on a breathing machine. And you're going to be shipped over to regional. I was at Mary Black. And I said, you're going to be over in ICU and you're going to be on a ventilator. Something that these two guys know all about. Just Now, the story I'm telling you, these guys have a total different story that they can tell you that God brought them for, from. They went further than I did. God brought them back. Miracles. Yeah. Miracles. <clears throat> so here I am. The nurse telling me that I might not live. And that I may not, you know, make it out of there. I have to go to ICU and do all that kind of stuff. And um, I couldn't even get up really to go to the bathroom in the proper way because I couldn't hardly move without, feel like I couldn't breathe. And I, I just didn't know what, I, I, I just couldn't go. And I began to pray unto God. I said, Lord, if this is the way I'm going, then that's all right. But would you please give me one more day? Three things I could think about that couldn't get off my mind. Listen, I'm wanting to go to heaven. And it wouldn't bother me to go today. 
But my wife, my daughter, and this church is what I was fighting for. I began to pray and I said, God, wait a minute. I need more than one day. I got a daughter that's getting ready to graduate. You know that. I've got a wife at home I need to protect and take care of. I've got a church to pastor, a flock to take care of. God, there's nobody that I, we have lined up to do that. I, I don't want to go this way, God. And listen, we don't have the privilege of choosing. Did I know I was going to be where I was at at that time? No, I had no idea. You don't know that you might not be there next week. Isn't it lovely when the devil blindsides you with something that you wasn't even expecting? And I began to pray and I began to weep in that hospital bed. And they didn't feed me for like a day and a half. I finally said, are y'all going to give me anything to eat? Not that I want any of your food, but... I ate two little things of pudding. That's all I ate the whole time I was there. Some of you seen me on the live video. I look pretty puny. I believe it was Aaron said, you need to give lessons on losing weight. And I was like, they don't want to lose it this way. I have never been so sick in my entire life. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and they're sticking me every few minutes. I've got two antibiotics running in me at the same time. I've got needles over here, needles over here. They finally put oxygen on me. And I can't hold it. They've got a heart monitor on me. My heart was acting up. My heart rate was high. Every, every symptom you see on TV, that's true. I had them. And I'm praying still on that first day. I'm like, God. And the doctor came in. Sweet lady. I'm presuming she was of Indian descent. Her last name was Condavidi. She said, you're sick. I was like, really? <laughs> she said, we're doing all we can do. And I looked at her and I said, am I going to live? She said, I hope so, but I don't know. I said, do you? You practice medicine, right? You're a doctor. Yeah. I said, well, I'm a Christian. You do the best you can on doctoring and I'll do the best I can praying. And at that time, she checked me over and she, she said, anything I can get you? I said, I'd love to see my babies. Can't let nobody in. I said, okay. They've got me in this pressurized room with a special vent, ventricle system inside of it that uh, is supposed to kill any germs that come in through the air and not circulate it everywhere else and this, that, and the other. And, and that room was, they never did come in there and clean it. I don't even know if it's been cleaned yet. And as I'm praying that evening, God spoke to my heart, Brother Joe Floyd, and he said, get up and walk. 
Get up and walk. Here I am asking for God to heal me, but yet I'm questioning Him. God, I can't even walk to the bathroom hardly. My oxygen level is extremely low. I said, okay, God. I got up out of the bed. I threw the oxygen off my face because I couldn't carry it around because it was hooked to the wall. I'm carrying one pole in this hand, pushing another pole in this hand. And I began to walk. And I began to walk around that hospital bed. And I'd turn around and I'd walk. And I'd walk around and then I'd have to stop. And I'd have to take deep breaths. And I wouldn't sit down. The nurse comes running in there and said, what in the world are you doing? I said, I'm walking. She said, your oxygen level's continuing to drop. You need to sit down. I said, bring me a chair. She said, your heart rate is over 160. You need to sit down. You need to stop. Your fever's still high. What are you doing? Get in the bed. This was another nurse. And I said, ma'am, do you believe in God? She said, yes, I do. I said, good. God told me to walk. She said, that don't make no sense. I said, that's the problem with the world today. Things God does don't make sense. She said, you're going to have to go to bed. Matter of fact, I'll be right back. I said, what are you doing? She said, I'm going to get you an Ativan and something else, and you're going to take it, you're going to get in that bed, and you're going to go to sleep. I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> she said, yes, you are. Are you going to be on that ventilator? I said, I'd like to see you vent a man that's walking. <laughs> For three days, I walked around that hospital room. When I'd get tired and couldn't breathe, I'd sit on the edge of the bed or that chair. They finally got through the door. Just to get my breath. Weak as water. But then over the last 12 to 18 hours that I was in there, my heart rate went down to 80. The oxygen level went to 98. The fever dropped to below normal. <laughs> the doctor, Condavidi, came in that day and she said, Wow, you must have been doing some praying. I said, Yeah, because I don't think y'all did much doctoring. She said, can I get you anything? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, what is it? I said, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go home. And she looked at me and she said, well, you know, it's only been like 12 to 18 hours since you've had a fever and 12 to 18 hours since your oxygen level is where it is. She said, I tell you what. I'll let you go home if I can bring a nurse in here and she can walk you down here to the bathroom and back in here to your bed and your oxygen level not fall. 
and your heart rate not go up. I said, oh, I got this. I've been practicing. <laughs> he said, what do you mean? I said, ma'am, read the chart. I hadn't slept in three days. All I've been doing is walking. I'd done the little test. She went in there and checked everything. She said, well, your oxygen level didn't fall and your heart rate didn't go up. That's what the nurse did, said. I said, that's mean I'm going home, right? And the nurse was like, well, I don't know about all that. I said, no, wait a minute. The doctor told me if I could do this, she's letting me go home. Let me go check. She went and checked. She'd done all that. She said, you're right. You're going home today. I said, okay. I said, uh, praise the Lord. I'm ready to get my clothes on. Matter of fact, before she even came in there and told me that, I had my clothes on. I said, ma'am, if you can't get these needles out of me, I'll go ahead and remove them myself. I said, but I'd appreciate it if you do it. And she said, okay. And uh, when all that was done with, the nurse came back in there and she said, well, I'm calling them up to get you. We'll wheel you down, tell your wife to come get you. And then she said, wait a minute, I just got a strange thought. She said, do you want to walk out of here? I said, how'd you guess? I left the hospital on April 4th with no assistance needed. Walked right out under my own power, got right into the car, and went home. And I believe the same night or the next day, I was preaching to you online. You see, God is able. And I'm not making light of the situation. These men were in a whole lot worse shape than I was. But look what God done for them. Not that they were disobedient or anything. Listen, they didn't even know they were in the world. At least I had the privilege of knowing what was going on. And I could pray because I wouldn't slap out of it. That's my story. God helped me. It took a while to get fully recovered. I think that I am now 100%. I'm not tired much anymore. Just, just a little. But it took a while to get over all that. I don't know what you're going through today. And it doesn't matter really what you are going through because God knows. And if you need help, you can get help. And you can get help today. Right here. Today. No waiting. God's not on quarantine. He can help you today. Sister, come back and get that song, God is Able. Because He is. And I want you to stand across this place. Some of you know that God is able. Some of you know that God can take care of you. He already has. He'll continue to do so. And my friend, when he takes care of it, no one else will have to come along and help you. No assistance needed. If you'll notice in the scripture in which I read, 
the Bible said that they all gathered in there with Simon and Andrew and John and Jesus was there. And what happened was this, when they, when they knew that he had done the healing and that he was there, people came to the door. The Bible says people came to the door and wanted help. I believe the physical implication here is that was the door of that house where Jesus was. They got there to the door. They wanted in there where he was or for him to come out. Spiritual implication. Jesus is the door. He said, I am the door. If you need help, you need to come to where he is. And he can help you today. Bow your heads, we're going to pray. And I pray that God will encourage your heart to come to an altar of prayer. To either thank him for what he's done brought you through. Or pray for what God's going to take you through. And understanding, knowing that you can have victory today and that God is able. Father, we do love you, God. We thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross of Calvary. God, I pray that you would work in this invitation time as people move across this building. God, I know that you are the healer. God, I know you are the one that can make things that are wrong right. And God, I know that you can touch and change lives and hearts. And Lord, we're depending on you today to do that which is right. And God, I pray if there's one here that doesn't know you from the free pardon of sin and needs saved today, they need salvation. God, I pray that we, they would ask you into their heart today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. The rest is up between you and God. When the children of Israel began to moan and complain at the water's edge, at the shape they were in, then Moses stepped forth. He said, Keep the faith. God is on our side. Hallelujah. Yes, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. He's able. Yes, he's able. Hallelujah. Nothing is impossible. Nothing's impossible. If you'll just believe. If you'll just believe. He can conquer anything. He can conquer anything. Oh, he's able. To do whatever you need. Able to do it all. Now you may not be running from old Pharaoh and all his men, but I can tell you now Satan he's fighting and he thinks he's gonna win. But that same God yes. that delivered. <laughs>
table. And willing to do whatever you need. Amen. I hope that helped you today. Did it give you any help at all? Amen. God's able. Let me say this. My daughter tested positive, and she had a little bit of a fever for one hour.